5.2 Rules of Engagement, Individualism, Collectivism A second set of rules revolve around engagement. Who is expected to act, how, and with regard to what? Here, I focus on the distinction between rules of engagement based on individualism and those centered on collectivism, a distinction that Harry Triandis has called the single most important cultural distinction. This distinction has significant implications for the likelihood that individuals contribute to public goods or participate in political action and, consequently, welfare and development outcomes. All social institutions govern communities and are, in that sense, communal, but they differ in the extent to which they frame action in terms of individual or collective goals. In individualism, social institutions aim to create and maintain a community in which individuals are autonomous and encouraged to self-actualize. In collectivism, individuals' independent desires are subordinate to the collective, and the good is determined by what benefits the collective, not the individual. Those transgressing a community norm, speaking out against established power, voting for an unacceptable candidate, refusing to contribute to community initiatives, bring not only social shame or physical and material harm to themselves, but also to others in the community. So, too, those who improve community welfare raise the community's status and benefit all. Whether social institutions center on individualism or collectivism influences individuals' decisions to contribute to community development. The traditional statement of the collective action problem presumes individualism. Individuals want to benefit from the collective good, so if their own actions alone will not determine success and if they will benefit regardless of their own actions, they will choose not to contribute. They need selective incentives, or to be engaged in an iterated game, in order to do otherwise. In contrast, in collectivism, the same conditions apply. Individuals' actions alone will not determine success, and they may benefit from success regardless of their contribution. But collectivism entails additional incentives to contribute. Identifying oneself with a community or holding strong notions of solidarity may drive contributions. It is not surprising, thus, that social movements often put forth frames intended to inculcate collectivism. Moreover, where social institutions require one to put the collective good above one's own, failing to do so may incur sanctions. Collectivism is not to be equated with warm and fuzzy feelings. In-group vigilance and social sanctions associated with collectivism can be painful, particularly where networks are strong. Studying Ghanaian villages and their hometown associations in the Netherlands, Mazzucato and Kupke show how collectivist social institutions foster community contributions. They describe institutions that local villages design to ensure funeral contributions. Funerals are perhaps the most important of ceremonies in Ghana, and holding a funeral in one's hometown is an act that both represents belonging and affords an opportunity to fundraise for the bereaved, maintaining social insurance. In these villages, funerals are also an opportunity to collect funds for the village, as 10% of the contributions go to village development funds and 90% to the bereaved family. Importantly, traditional authorities require their subjects to contribute to these funds regardless of whether they are residing in the village or abroad, attending the funeral or not. Moreover, according to the social institutions described, failure to pay incurs collective punishment a family is not allowed to hold a funeral anywhere on the village's territory if the past funeral dues are unpaid. Migrants' families back home are shamed if they fail to pay, and migrants suffer the costs of this shame. 
Thus, diaspora's contributions to funeral costs and other collective causes, which are critical to development outcomes, continue in part because family members back home constitute linkages with collectivist social institutions. Importantly, Mazzucati and Kupke note that such institutions are effective in small villages, where monitoring and enforcement are easier, i.e., local arenas are stronger. Whether social institutions are individualist or collectivist also shapes political participation. Indeed, distinguishing between individualism and collectivism may help reconcile debates found in the literature on clientelism and voting. Many studies of vote buying assume that voters act within individualist contexts, and vote buying is a one-shot exchange between a broker and voter. Scholars then ask how brokers and candidates ensure that voters support them after the handouts are given. They search for mechanisms that facilitate monitoring, or less frequently, individual-level traits, such as a strong intrinsic sense of reciprocity that explain why voters remain true to brokers. Yet a very different picture emerges if collectivist social institutions drive voters' decisions. Citizens may support candidates who are members of their community— e.g. family or kin, co-ethnic or from the same locality, at least in part because they feel duty-bound to do so. They may also believe candidates from their community are equally duty-bound to help them meet their everyday needs, easing their way through a maze of sluggish, unresponsive bureaucracy. Voters thus support the candidate because they believe that the candidate they'd support is the one who is obligated to help them or their community, given collectivist institutions and arenas of authority outside the state. As one Jordanian put it, Everyone in Jordan needs a VIP to solve his problems. The question for scholars and practitioners, then, is not which version of clientelism is correct, but rather which social institutions structure individuals' choices and thus what assumptions should guide research and programming. In sum, the individualist-collectivist distinction in social institutions appears to have important implications. Where social institutions are individualist, one can expect contributions are made along the logic of the collective action problem and selective incentives may be required to motivate contributions. However, where institutions are collectivist, selective incentives are likely to be less effective. Social sanctions meted out by the community when individuals place their interests over those of the community motivate compliance. In short, much as state institutions that promote patriotism can engender individual sacrifice for sake of the community, social institutions based on collectivism can spur cooperation.